get ready for an overdose of common sense. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You know, for some people, that's really comforting to hear that. But for others, and to paraphrase Ronald Reagan, those words are some of the most frightening in the dictionary. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us on American Viewpoints. And case in point here, the Centers for Disease Control over the past several months, going on a year now, they have claimed both real policy power and kind of a pseudo moral authority. And courts really seem hesitant in some cases to check the former, that actual policy power, that rulemaking power, even when it just appears to be questionable legally. And let's start with the eviction moratorium rules that were set out by the CDC recently, saying that landlords, well, in many cases, they can't evict someone who's not paying their rent. I'm joined now by Jacob Solom from Reason Magazine. And uh, Jacob, your article on this, did Congress give the CDC more authority than the president, brings up a lot of really relevant questions. And let's start with the basic one. Where on earth does the CDC claim any authority to tell local courts they can't enforce contracts with evictions? Well, the short answer to that is from the Public Health Service Act. But uh, before I get into that, I should note that this the moratorium was first imposed in September, mm-hmm. and it was just extended for another month, so until the end of July. Um, and what they, they cite, uh, this statute, which authorizes, first of all, the Secretary of Health and Human Services to issue regulations that, in his judgment, are necessary to control the interstate spread of communicable diseases. And that, by the way, covers any communicable disease. It doesn't have to be one as dangerous as COVID-19. It could be the seasonal flu. It could be the common cold, even. That seems like uh, a very broad statement it, and, and a very it, broad breadth of, uh, of, a, of a power if it's abused. Yes, it, it does. And, and on its face, the, the power is very broad. But the statute cites particular uh, measures, and I'll read them to you. Uh, inspection, fumigation, disinfection, sanitation, pest extermination and destruction of infected or contaminated animals or articles. Then it says also other measures that are deemed necessary. And then the secretary has, by regulation, delegated this authority to the CDC. So what the CDC claims is that the other measures part Mm -hmm. means covers anything. Anything it decides is a good idea to prevent the spread of a communicable disease, in this case, COVID-19. The rationale for the, uh, the moratorium on, um, on uh, enforcing rental contracts, uh, which is supposed to apply, by the way, to people who are, assert that they have, are suffering financial hardship, right? But the problem is there really is no examination of those claims. All you have to do is say, I have high medical bills, I've lost income, I'm having trouble making my rent, and you qualify for for living rent-free. Their rationale for that is that should you be evicted, you might become homeless, you might move in with other people, you might live in what they call a congregate setting. So basically, you're going to have more contact with people than you otherwise would have, and that increases the chances of virus transmission. That's their rationale. Furthermore, any kind of policy that's been imposed by any level of government aimed at reducing the spread of COVID-19 by the CDC's logic, could have been imposed by the CDC. So that includes lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, mass closures of businesses, 
anything that tries to basically limit human contact, bans on gatherings, uh, bans on contact between households. Uh, the CDC, by, uh, according to the way it's interpreting the statute, has the authority to do all of that unilaterally. Only the CDC director has to, has to determine that it's necessary. So that is, <laughs> that is a pretty broad power. And the reason that I referenced the president in the title is that Joe Biden originally was talking about imposing a nationwide face mask requirement, but then he backed away from that. He said he consulted with his lawyers and it turned out he did not have the authority to do that. So if he doesn't have the authority to impose a face mask mandate nationally, uh, how does the CDC possibly have the authority to do all of this stuff yeah. And Jacob, I mean, let's talk about the unintended consequences aspect of this or the possible unintended consequences aspect of this in the last few minutes we've got. I mean, that may that may have a very strong emotional appeal. Government shuts down businesses. Workers lose their wages. They may get unemployment, but they're they're struggling financially and it may not be their fault. So it sounds great to say, well, no, it's not fair that you would lose your home. You get to stay in there regardless of whether you're paying the rent. But given everything you just said and the precedent that is being set right now, what are some of the risks we've got once we equip uh, a government alphabet soup bureaucracy with this kind of broad power? Well, I mean, I think Americans uh, generally have come generally have, have come to mistrust the CDC, even when it's just giving advice. So there have been lots of arguments about the guidance that they've given which is often scientifically dubious, mm -hmm. often uh, inconsistent, often changes you know, from one day to another without any real justification in terms of new evidence. So imagine if they could not just suggest uh, this stuff, but make you do it, right? This would come down to not just you know, uh, restrictions on, on when you can leave your home, imposed by the, by the CDC uh, and how you can interact with other people, but even things like wiping down surfaces. Remember how the CDC used to recommend this? Yeah. As right, they could theoretically <laughs> under this authority make you wipe down all your frequently touched surfaces because they thought that at the time that that was a good idea to help prevent COVID-19. Um, I mean, really, it's, it's an almost totalitarian power that they're claiming. They don't, they don't put it that way, but the logic of the way they're reading the statute and the logic of their justification for the eviction moratorium uh, gives them virtually unlimited power. And this is what several judges have concluded. Uh, uh, they've ruled, including one federal appeals court, they've ruled that the CDC does not have this power. Congress never gave it this power. Um, that the statute has to be interpreted with reference to the specific examples. And if the measure that they're implementing isn't similar to those other things, right, like fumigation or destruction of infected animals, uh, it's not authorized. That's, that's what most of the judges who have looked at this have concluded. Some have sided with the CDC, mm -hmm. including um, uh, the, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit uh, this month. Uh, that case actually went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court declined to lift the stay on the decision against the CDC. So what that means is the, the, the Supreme Court was asked to let the original uh, ruling against the CDC at the district court level go into effect, which means the CDC could not enforce this eviction moratorium. The Supreme Court uh, 
five people said, no, we don't need to do that. But what was interesting about that is that one of them, Brett Kavanaugh, actually wrote an explanation where he said, you know, I agree, this is illegal. He said, this, yeah. this does exceed the CDC's authority. But you know what? There's only a month to go. Or he put it a few weeks. It's actually a month. Um, and so we don't really need to do anything right now, even though this is totally illegal, which is weird. Uh, right. So what that effectively means is that the moratorium will stay in place until the end of July. Although Kavanaugh did warn that if they tried to renew it again, which the CDC at this point says it doesn't plan to do, uh, that it would have they would have to get authorization from Congress. Okay, Jacob, uh, we talk about uh, they could conceivably order people to disinfect their homes or wear masks. And of course, you know, the data on that is dubious at best. But somebody may say, well, those are good ideas, better safe than sorry. Uh, who cares if the government's overstepping its bounds, if it's getting us to do something that may keep us safer? What's what's the problem with that? What's the big picture? Well, I mean, obviously, there, were, there was a tremendous debate about the wisdom and the cost effectiveness of the measures that many states imposed. But imagine if one power, one person, the CDC director, had, he had the authority to unilaterally impose this in the entire country, meaning there would be no variation in policy. There would be no opportunity to pressure politicians to remove these restrictions uh, based on the argument that they, they were not cost effective. Uh, that only compounds, it, it takes the problems that were associated with lockdowns and multiplies them many times over because there's no escaping it. You can't uh, go to another state. You can't pressure anybody to change the policy. Uh, you're just stuck with whatever decisions one person makes for the entire country, and those may be tremendously costly, and the costs uh, may not come close to uh, being uh, justified by the benefits. All right, Jacob Solom from uh, Reason Magazine. The article is called, Did Congress Give the CDC More Authority Than the President? Jacob, really appreciate the insight on this. Sure, thank you. Well, just ahead, how people are saving for a rainy day is, well, it's changing. Are we getting better about it? The information and the advice you're gonna need is on the way right here on American Viewpoints.